Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, author of Who Do Cleansing and Protection Magic, my binaural production engineer, Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is the living legend, Greg Bornstein. And he's going to talk about his new hypnosis technique, called Soul Scraping, where he scrapes the ego off of your soul. Oh, it's definitely soulscaping, but <laughs> thank you for <laughs> Zim trolling me already. Um, yes, Gary, look, thanks again for coming, having me back on your show. I am so honored uh, to be here among, I mean, necromancers, uh, actual people who've, who've met aliens, had conversations with them, uh, you know, ma- mafia bosses. I mean, I feel, I, I feel I'm in great company here. Uh, after all these episodes i yeah thanks for having me of course man i mean you and i started out at the same time yeah dude yeah and you know i uh i i still don't you really get i I, i'm wrestling with the format still of my show i mean uh you know when i started open loops uh i i was very much told Greg, you are selfish. <laughs> this is because I was working with a coach at the time. I was told, he said, Greg, you're selfish if you just keep reading these books and have these conversations and just want to learn and you don't do anything with it. Therefore, you should create a podcast um, and actually talk about your learnings and talk about hypnosis and the things you love doing and, and do it. And, and I was, the core of the show when I started it, I mean, those first 10 episodes of open loops. I mean, I used to call it open loops and intellectually escapist podcast. Um, those first ones were all just me talking about ideas and the things I've learned. And then I quickly became an interviewer. Um, and I do love it still. I mean, I think I get, and I'm sure that's why you do it, Gary, you Mm -hmm. get so much from your guests, but there is a part of me recently. I think this is what I'm going to do. If, if anybody listens to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein, Conversations That Bend, there was a conversation I was having directly with the listener that I miss. You know, So I might start going back to doing some of those solo episodes because I think that is, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but after listening to enough of these people, Gary, I'm definitely forced to want to evolve myself every day. Right. I find it, I don't know, I've never tried doing an episode by myself. Yeah, I mean, do you, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that you, after listening to all these guests, have very different perspectives on how the world works? Um, no. 
<laughs> no, I've always had I've always had yeah. a pretty good idea, you know, from from my own experiences with the paranormal and the occult. Um, yeah, that 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 what I've learned from my guest has been more of a reassurance for me. Interesting. Yeah, you know, even though we started, I, I I definitely think even though we started at the same time, we both came into this from very different places. Um, and perhaps I'm still there in a lot of ways in terms of that skepticism being being a through line of everything I do. I uh, I definitely entertain some guests and their t- comments. I mean, I've had people on that talk about quantum this and quantum that, and I'm just going, I don't think you really understand what you're saying. But I do believe you have done healing things for people, and I believe that is a skilled use of language and and perhaps buy buy in from the other person their own spirituality and manipulating language to speak to a part of them that they hold as some higher power, i.e. manipulating the placebo effect in a lot of ways. I do buy that, but a lot of the time, there's a part of me that is biting my tongue when I listen to my guests because I just think don't always know what they're saying <laughs> i mean i don't know do you ever have you ever sat there with a the guest and been oh. like i think this person's full of it? oh yeah yeah i know i've had frauds on my show absolutely wow but but i let my listeners decide you know i yeah. conduct the interview and i believe that my listeners are smart enough to decide for themselves whether this person is legit or not but yeah absolutely i know i've had some frauds interesting what is what to you is like a telltale sign they're a fraud well, one is my gut. I'll say the first thing is my gut. Yeah. Um, the second is it's their way or no way. Mm. Um, the third thing is they're looking for followers. They're looking to expand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, I was listening to richard serrett's podcast i mean he's he's someone in this space he sometimes hosts uh coast to coast he's like a swapping guest he does the conspiracy show in canada uh and i was listening to conspiracy unlimited a few years ago and he had someone on who claimed she was an illuminati whistleblower and this woman said she was the daughter of someone really famous uh, or not even really famous, someone really high up in the Illuminati and she was coming forth to talk about all this stuff and then once you followed her on Twitter after all the stuff she was saying all her tweets were her tagging Snoop Dogg and Rosie O'Donnell and big name celebrities and then you could book a time with her and it was $10,000 for a half hour phone call about clearing everything out. There's no way this woman is an Illuminati whistleblower. She is using the forum. I mean, it's crazy that people will use the fringe as a way to, well, I guess anybody would, would their scammers find different ways, but the idea of being so niche to say I'm in the Illuminati. I mean, that speaks to me of a deep, deep desperation to find meaning for yourself in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's just people looking to make a buck conning people. Yeah. I know we've both been approached by people who've said they're part of the Illuminati Brotherhood. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you say? What is that group that this group that comes on Facebook and says, Come join us? It's ridiculous. Yeah. I I don't know what they are. I think it's just people looking for money somehow. I'm sure money's involved. Yeah. You know, like they always tell me this thing, like, oh well, We'll give if you join us, you'll get all this prosperity and wealth and stuff. 
and I, and I respond to them. I say, I don't want that. That's not what I want. And then, like, oh, well, you can have spiritual knowledge and this and that. And I was like, no, I don't want that either. <laughs> and then they're like, well, what is it you want? Yeah. I'm like, nothing. I'm, I'm oh at my peace. <laughs> I love how you mess with these people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, that's kind of the interesting thing. I think we're in an, in a period of time where, Wealth and prosperity are still the thing that sells. It's a very hypnotic idea that you can you can have it all, be successful, travel the world, be a digital nomad and all this stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's weird that we're coming off of this pandemic where we've supposedly been forced to deal with ourselves and it's i think we're in a very strange time i think there are two simultaneous messages going on one is this you can make it your your way be an entrepreneur you don't need anybody else don't go to the nine to five follow what you want to get these things that society has told you was good but on the other hand we had this pandemic which was the spiritual for a lot of people spiritual calling i mean for myself starting the podcast it, it was it was important to meet people like you, to meet other people in this space that forced me to go, oh, wait, there might be something here, and I'd rather explore this than work my day job. Um, but the thing is, doing this isn't necessarily a direct route to prosperity. I mean, maybe it is for you, <laughs> but, 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 but if that's not what you really want, if that's not, you know, what the game of it is, then then what is it that we're all going for and does it even matter what if your life i always hold back to the sean penn thing uh that i heard sean penn say on howard stern which is the only he said that being a celebrity getting to the top the best part about it more than anything else was that it allowed him the resources to actually pursue the things he was curious about that's it if I can build my life around always having the avenues to follow my curiosity, I think that would be success. What do you think? I totally agree. As long as I'm able to do the things that I want to do, explore the things that I want to explore, everything else is just a means to, the, to that end. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I do for a living. I don't care. It's, it's, it's what I learn in this lifetime and explore and do. And the effect that it has on other people, you know, that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me wonder about what are those people who are in wealth and prosperity sitting there in their nice houses? What does curiosity mean to them? Because there is a there is a stereotype that a lot of the rich and the top one percent of the one percenters are dead inside, and I've always wondered, well, what does dead inside means? And I think what it means is, uh, and it's just hitting me now. I think it's it's not having the drive to to learn more about the world, about themselves in the world, because once you have it all on the outside, then it makes you go, well, I'm at a certain place now. 
where I have access to everything, but I don't know what I'm doing in this life. I don't know what I'm creating. I don't, I don't know what legacy I'm leaving here besides the fact that I got to enjoy everything. I could see myself in that position, Gary. Hmm. Someone could give me like $10 billion right now and I could get to the top and I know, yes, I would be fulfilled for a long time, but there'd always be something inside of me that would go, Hey, may, I should get on Gary's podcast and talk about things because that feels good. Uh, I think so. I think that's really right. it. I, I don't think those people are dead inside. I think <laughs> that's fair. You know, that's, I, I don't think I, they I, all. Are. I, I think, um, and, and I'm sure you've been around enough of these people, like I have, because you're, you know, from New York. You know, yes. around some of the you know richest people in the world. I'm originally from Princeton, New Jersey. Also, right, the same group of people, and. What I've discovered is there are basically two types of people. There are people who are sort of like wannabes. They're like wearing the mask of being rich. They have the mm. house, the car, the kid, all that. But but they're working like 80 hours a day to pull it off, you know. So it's sort yes. of like they're, they're just putting off this illusion of richness. And then there's the real rich people, the people that really don't have to worry about money at all. They don't have to work. They don't really have to do anything. And those people I usually find are actually, surprisingly, some of the most generous and giving people. That's fair. Yeah, I know. I'm definitely stereotyping the rich here. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I know I made the Bernie supporters out there very happy, I'm sure. Um, but no, no, I, I guess you're right. There is something... Well, maybe they were generous to you. I know when I used to perform murder mystery company shows for them, they some you'd be surprised how often the rich people don't tip. Uh, but they're probably but, not but, the real rich people. They're the one to be rich people. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the real the people that are really rich are the ones that won't think twice about dropping a hundred dollar bill tip at a pizza parlor. You know. Yeah. It's these other people that you know are living like. $800,000 houses and they're making maybe $70,000 a year. Interesting. You just gave me a good idea. I think we should start a podcast where we interview these real rich people and try to humanize them, give them back their reputation. And that way, Gary, in turn, they will see us as people that get it. They'll invite us to their lifestyle and then we'll just enjoy it because what? you know what i don't know i mean why not maybe maybe rich people don't get a fair i i think you're right i think maybe there is discrimination against the nice rich people yeah uh, and actually i've experienced like, i've been the benefactor of some of their you know kindness so yeah but it's you know what it is but but then there's the question of you know, well, are they are they paying attention to the people that aren't doing as well? And then you get into the question of, you know, the socialism versus the capitalism and how much are they supposed to give and is are they hoarding onto ridiculous amounts of money when they shouldn't? But then again, they do usually what you're describing is people that are very generous and philanthropic as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I guess there is it's tricky. I think we have a very right now it's very trendy in america and i'm guilty of it of crapping on the extremely rich because it seems it just seems like they're not doing anything they help all of us out in covid they could have been and really it's what jeff bezos really i mean this is the one that everybody's kind of just oh this guy made so much money but at the same time you know i 
I don't know what it's like to be in their headspace. If I was somebody that had this situation and I genuinely was in a position of, you know, extreme wealth and was doing well and just and and had I mean, I'm sure I've had personal issues, too, if I was in that space. I'm sure I'd have other things I was concerned about. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. How easy it is. If you're Jeff Bezos, right? You had all that money. Yeah. Would, would you tell people what you're doing to help people? Hmm. It depends. Or, or would you do it quietly? Quietly, and that way you can make sure that the that you're making those decisions for yourself on who to help. That you don't want it to be helping the wrong people. That's interesting. Well, do you think so? Do you think that's what he's doing? I think that's what the all that's what the all do. Actually, I kind of know. You kind of know. Yeah. So you're telling me these one percenters that get hated on by the pump. But, you know, what do they is it? Do you think then it's just such strong self-belief? They're going, well, I know I'm doing the right thing. Therefore, the public can crap on me as much as they want. But I know that I'm waking up every day and giving to these charitable organizations. Yeah. Yeah. I think they even do more than give to charitable organizations. I think if you talk to some of the people that know them personally, Nobody's going to say anything bad about them. Have you ever heard anybody who knows Jeff Bezos personally say bad shit about him? No. No one that I believe that knows him. I I met one woman once who claimed that she created the distribution at Amazon. She was the head of distribution when they started in the 90s. And I think she was, she may have been making it up. (laughs) <laughs> she lives in Sedona, Arizona and is into yeah. She's into the weird stuff. So it was one of those things where you're weird enough to be it's spiritual enough that I believe you could have had this corporate lifestyle, but she was like, "Oh yeah, Jeff, that a-hole." I'm going, "I don't know if I believe you co-founded Amazon." I don't know. Um but no, I don't know. I mean, he comes off as an a-hole in public, but I don't know anybody that knows him personally. Right. How about Elon Musk? Um, I love his energy. It's weird as heck. I mean, I think he is... He is deliberately cryptic. I think there are times when he deliberately tries to act cooler than he might actually be. But when he was on SNL and uh, admitted he had Asperger's and, and was making fun of himself, and I, I think he's very strange. Um, but again, I I think yeah, he gets a lo- he gets a lot of bad rap just because he's rich. But um, at least it's a guy like that with a brain like that that is making this money. I mean, we need more inventors in this country. This country is uh, at least the inventions that they will let you know about publicly um, has not been on the. It, it always gets left behind. It feels like compared to China or these other. Uh, Germany, places of industry, innovation, Israel, where the tech is there. The U.S. always kind of is, you know, in the back pocket. But but the fact that Elon Musk has the rockets and is doing that, I think he's, I think he stands for something great in American innovation. Even though he's not perfect, I like him. Now, what do I think of him personally? I don't know, Gary. I've never heard of anybody have a bad personal one-on-one experience with him. How about Bill Gates? Oh my gosh, we're going to the bill card. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Bill Gates. Bill Gates was so uncomfortable 
at the beginning of this pandemic. Now, look, I don't know the truth, okay? I he, There's some weird stuff with Charles Lieber, whatever, his friend from Harvard that got arrested, maybe had the v- vials of something at an airport, and people say, oh, and he's connected to Wuhan, so there's this conspiracy, Gates knows him, and then Gates' father was into eugenics and uh, all this stuff, but here's, okay, here's one thing I will say. I think that guy really is an uncomfortable individual. That guy just makes me uncomfortable. Like, I don't care if he's a conspiracy conspirator or not the idea that he is the spokesperson of the vaccine is not reassuring to the american people when he stopped doing the press stuff i felt so much better because you know what he did come off as somebody that would have to me i i get there i have people that have said oh well he was so smart this guy listen to the way he talks about the vaccine. He did the TED talk. He's he's very intelligent. I don't care how intelligent you are. During a pandemic, you need someone that at least doesn't seem like they're thinking something different than what they're saying. And Bill Gates constantly had that on his face. I and look at the divorce and all this other stuff. I mean, I just think that guy is not a cool guy is what it comes down to in all the ways he is just not a cool man so the idea that we're gonna bring him up as a spokesperson it's a shame he got that ted talk i would have much rather had well the rock even the rock would have been (laughs) i know someone someone's gonna say like the rock's not intelligent but at least i feel warm around him you know what i mean (laughs) oh my gosh how about um oh i forget his name he's from blank the other dude from apple who died oh steve Jobs. yeah i mean he's an interesting guy because he was a meditator and he was also a big follower of yogananda Yes. Yes, I am reading a book right now that I highly recommend to everybody out there if you if you want to kind of get into the hypnosis realm uh, a little bit from a different angle. Uh, this book called The Reality Distortion Field. I believe that's what it's called. The Pattern. I think it's I think it is, which uh, comes from that biography or just comes from people who work with Steve Jobs. Um, they said that one of the things that was magnetic about Steve Jobs, let me see if I can pull this up, the exact title on the Kindle, uh, was that he created, he had an ability as a leader to draw people into his big vision. Uh, he had the, this big dream. He was able to create something that spoke to higher level of values and and pull people into a vision of what product should be and what what technology could be, technology almost as a statement of fashion. And that was something, even though he was demanding on his employees, he would pull people into it was always about this reality distortion field that he was creating um so i'm reading this book right now by two people i highly respect in the field of hypnosis actually they're new york city based um well the main guy the main guy who wrote it is this guy named sean carson uh who is with the intelligent hypnotist uh they do a lot of nlp trainings hypnosis trainings in the city he wrote a book that is breaking down the elements of creating a reality distortion field being a charismatic leader um that's the subtitle of the book is change the world by convincing others to share your dream 
very interesting stuff. Um, you know, Steve Jobs and a lot of people out there, natural hypnotists, man. These people had no idea what they were doing, but they were able to speak to people's desires, their subconscious. And, you know, if you're able to, if you're able to find that for yourself and install it in others, I mean, you can really, well, you can do evil things, very evil things. Um, but also. <laughs> like Charles Manson. <laughs> yes. He had a reality distortion. Hey, what was that book? What was that book that, I forget the name of the book that influenced him on how to do that. Um, I forget. It was a, it was a really popular book though. Was it the Edward Bernays? I don't know. Who was? Uh, I have no idea what went into the the psyche of Charles Manson. Uh, yeah, there was a, there was a real popular book on how to be successful. Um, Interesting. That that Interesting. that he really based a lot of his techniques on for controlling his people. Yeah, I am. Look, brainwashing is still so interesting to me. It's uh, it's it's very, it's crazy how easy it is i mean pattern pattern and think about it in your everyday life man i mean look at you know even with your podcast even with what's going on you start doing one thing different and all of a sudden that opens up your mind that you're capable of doing something different slightly and then and then you do another episode and all of a sudden well now i have a a podcast with a multiple and now i'm doing a podcast now i have a second episode and then you do third fourth fifth once you get to the 10th episode, you go, well, now I really have something here. Also, your life changed because you've booked people to interview. And then all of a sudden, you're showing up on these interviews and doing it. And then you start getting listeners. You start getting feedback. People go, oh, you have a podcast. That's great. And all of a sudden, you you completely move into a different reality than where you've been. And you, by the time you, you, know, you get to 20 episodes, you've brainwashed yourself into going, yeah, I am. As Gary often tells me, I am the <laughs> the king of podcasts. I mean, but that really, <laughs> you are a but you but but you really believe it after a certain time. I mean, that is the power of. I, I, this is the thing: people don't realize how easy it is to brainwash yourself into success. Um, and hypnotists can get you there much quicker. That's sort of my interest in all of this. But um, yeah, it's 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 such a it, we, as humans neuroplasticity and the way we have patterns i mean we're so it's so easy to change people don't give themselves the opportunity to experience everything they're capable of and and uh you know i think that's partly why yeah i i love doing the show and i love doing hypnosis it it lets people go into the different realities that they dream of doing much more rapidly uh, what is yeah, it man. that what is it you think that keeps most people stuck? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what it is is what keeps most people stuck. Well, the words that are coming to my head are <laughs> the words coming to people's heads. I think it's the words. I think it's the I think it's I think it is a a series of thoughts feelings ideas from the past a loop if you will of similar uh ideas about the way life works and the way they should be in their life um that are sometimes very conscious like you some people experience it in different ways i mean some people actually hear the words or see the words i'm not good enough some people just have a almost have a, a feeling of it or a pain when they think about it. But still, there is a 
them projecting their failure into the future somehow, whether it's kinesthetically, uh, auditorily, visually, or even with words. Um, you know, it, it, it varies. I, I think it's, I think it's a repetition of a limiting belief or idea that keeps people stuck a lot of the time. It's this unconscious repetition. Now, what triggered it? Well, variety of things. A lot of people, um, a lot of people you've talked to, a lot of people I've talked to my show are always going, yeah, well, it's the root cause. You got to get to the root cause. Um, sometimes I think it could be that. Sometimes I, I just think people just develop weird beliefs i think these are we're, we're fragile brains here and we're going through a world of uh you know we're designed to be fight or flight beings so the idea is that in an effort to protect ourselves i mean you know you're six years old or even 16 years old someone tells you you're not good enough that's going to go inside of your head somewhere and you might hold on to it in a time where you're feeling vulnerable about yourself about your life in a deeper way than when you're 32 um and once you hold on to that you know you're never going to be a singer oh i listen to you in glee club you're terrible i mean that might stop someone from doing public speaking when they're in their 20s, 30s, trying to get a job, going to a job interview, that, that unconscious experience of hearing you're not good at this thing that is associated with the act of putting yourself out there. That's something people hold on to. Um, so I think it's, I mean, Gary, I, I almost think it's, I don't know if it's a misfiring. I mean, to me, I, as the skeptical side of me goes, yeah. You could break it all down to science. We have an evolutionary purpose. Someone's insulting you or someone's taking away your power. That means you don't fit with the tribe at some level. Therefore, you're going to move through life and kind of feel that way slightly. Um, and to protect yourself and your feelings and need to survive, you're going to do the things that are not going to put you at risk of being further connected to the tribe so you're not going to put yourself out there you're going to protect yourself all these things that keep you evolutionarily supported and that would make sense that would make sense why you hold on to these things but then there's the other part of me that goes well what if it's cosmic what if there is a purpose this person who was told they're a bad singer in high school glee club what if their purpose is to be a singer what if their cosmic purpose is to be a presenter that's out there and spirit and life and, and the way of life and death and, and this tension we're supposed to evolve as people somehow. We're supposed to have meaningful lives. Maybe cosmically you're supposed to get that message at that age. Realize that it is a growing pain that is part of the context of life. At some point you are meant to revisit that transcend that experience and then showcase your full self because that's what you're always being guided to do that's putting meaning on top of it either way though it's still something that happened that was crappy at 16 so um well. you know to clear that i mean it's gonna make a world of difference no matter what reason it is right well option a is a tragedy yeah you know I really, truly will feel bad for any individual that that comes into this world and they feel like they're not going to be able to live up to their true ability. You yes, know? and it's something that, that me personally, I, I don't even relate to it. You know, I've always thought I would be successful. You know, 
I just yeah, I, that's I've always I've always been like, well, yeah, I, I can do anything I want. Now, it, did, it, you, did you get that from your parents? Because usually they say that comes in between three to seven years old. Your success threshold. I don't of think how so. great you think no. you'll be. No. Were your parents supportive of you growing up, or were they tough? My mom was somewhat supportive, or maybe a little bit yeah. apathetic. My, yeah. my, my dad, he, he was just a miserable person. Interesting. Um, I, well, I think really did it was like sort of like later on, uh, like like towards the end of high school, or actually like right after I graduated high school, I went on a three month angel dust binge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was never the same after that. Wow! You know, after that, after that, I no longer felt fear. I no longer felt anxiety. Um, I could comprehend things that were incomprehensible to most people, and I could do anything I wanted. If it was playing music, I could play music. If it was writing a book, I wrote a book. If it's doing a podcast, it's doing a podcast. As far as the money and all that crap, like I mentioned earlier before we started the show, to me, that's just a means to an end. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Now, look, I I, I believe that plant medicine has a place. I believe that exploring and expanding your consciousness is an important thing. Um, I also think angel dust is very intense. I've never personally partaken, but but the idea that you had that experience tells me that there is something in exploring your consciousness that could really work out in a way that puts you in the right place. Um <laughs> what do you what is if someone were to listen to you and say gary are you telling me i should try angel dust what would you say um i would say it was a rough ride you know like during the angel dust phase i was okay um because what yeah. happened was I, I was at the jersey shore and i bought like a half ounce of the shit and it lasted me three <laughs> months <laughs> oh my god and what happens when you're in angel dust are you hallucinating or are you it's just bizarre you know, but but it, for me, it agreed. I like, guess it's going to be different for everybody. Some people be get stuck in hallucinations and audio hallucinations and fear and stuff. Me, I was yeah. still able to function well. I could still drive. I could still go to work. You were driving on the Jersey Shore, <laughs> hopped up on uh, angel dust for, dude? Th for three months. You know, <laughs> I was just completely functioning on it. But it was when I ran out that that it became like a bit of an issue. You know, I was like, oh, you know, like what am I going to do now? And then yeah. I started, um, I think I bought like a half a pound of this hash with opium in it. And I don't know how long that lasted. It lasted a few, <laughs> it lasted a couple months, you know. And then I ran out of that. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, it was sort of like, like one of those dry spells of drugs. Yeah. You know, so I started had to do um, you know, drugs I didn't like, like cocaine and shit like that. Oh my gosh, and, man. And then finally I was just like, oh, these drugs suck. So I quit. And then I finally kind of came down. Yeah. And here I am. This is how I arrived at this. <laughs> this man who could do anything. Yeah. Because you transcended. I mean, look, I don't know if people would have made it out as safe as you. I don't think some people, I think some people haven't. Right? Some people have died. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's dangerous, yeah. but at the same time, you know, our body is just a vessel anyway. 
like if you've had out of body experience, you realize you're no longer your body. You kind of stop giving a shit anyway. You're like, screw it. If I blow up this body and kill myself, I'll just reincarnate in another one. I've often heard that the mindset, I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? Because if you, you know, the idea of something personal going on in your life and, and stuff that isn't sorted out, if you go on LSD, chances are you're more likely to have a bad trip if you're coming in with this low vibrational frame but but i've also heard if you're coming in low vibrational sometimes you do lsd or something like this and all of a sudden it switches everything Mm -hmm. um you know i mean from what you've seen gary (laughs) what is the best way to go into a hallucinogen should you should you have a clear mind first if you don't you're hoping it's going to clear it i mean is that too risky Um, what are your thoughts i would go with i would say one one of the things with with me was music and I always mm. listened to like really high energy music, you know, like um, some Iron Maiden or Iggy Pop or um, the Ramones or Dead Kennedys and the Cramps and like, you know, just, just, just music that really just always had like this hard driving force behind it, you know, like when you're on like that type of psychedelic trip and you have that energy too that's just pushing you forward. That's interesting. I, I think that works. Like, if you're going to do it and listen to Pink Floyd, you might be screwed. Dude, you're the first person I've ever heard talk about music as a way of influencing the trip itself, which makes a lot of sense given that that's what people were doing with the Beatles and Rolling Stones. I mean, all hey, that, you know, 60s, 70s, you'd put on these records and do acid and just soar. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but I never thought about how that could really influence the trip itself. Uh, even if you're coming from, you know, a bad day, you put on some music, you you tune, turn on, tune in, boom. I mean, you, yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. I wonder if it also speaks to uh, sort of what we were talking about before the interview, which is the power of sound. I mean, that is something that I keep running into over and over from the guests mm-hmm. that I talk to. And I'm sure you hear it on your show, too. People who talk about how the Egyptians understood sound frequency and and ancient cultures are the way sounds resonate. When they talk about vibrations, it's tied to sound. I had no idea that sound was so important to spirituality and so I just started oh, talking to huge. some of these guests. It's huge. Like, I don't know if you noticed the new intro and you also at the end of the show you'll hear my new outro. It is a binaural beat to yes. open the third eye chakra. Uh, and um, yeah. So, so I've been doing a lot of that and the experiences that you'll have under a really well made binaural beats is very similar to what you'll have under the influence of psychedelics. Interesting. Brainwave entrainment, yeah. man. It's, it rocks. Dude, it's, those are the best hypnosis tracks. I listen to hips, hypnosis CDs, and when it's binaural beats and also dual inductions, which are crazy when one person's saying one thing in one ear, the other saying something in another, and then you hear the third voice and it's all going. I mean, that stuff just takes me out, dude. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Uh, there's a guy who is very sick right now, I guess, apparently, but I've been dying to get him on my show. I know you had a sound. He, the guy who does some of the sound for you, right? Yeah, this yeah. Guy he who, did the intro and outro. And yeah. I have some tracks on my website, too, that he made. That's uh, Yeah, I'm sure this guy knows him. Denver Clay, was, he's like the classic 
hypnosis track guy who he's done a lot of the background music and i've always just wanted to interview someone i mean i'm sure yeah when you interviewed uh your guy it was similar mm-hmm. to this i've always just been wondering about you know what goes into making a hypnotic track what are you thinking about what are you you know i mean to be known as the person you hire to do background music right. for hypnosis to speak to the subconscious i mean well damien damien uses science he, that's he, he actually has like a eeg machine that he'll connect to his head put on while he's oh making the tracks and monitor his how his brain is responding to the tracks oh my gosh okay i'm gonna have to interview damien too i'm gonna i'll give him credit for hearing about it on your show first but this guy sounds amazing yeah, he's um, awesome. yeah no i mean it's it's very interesting this sound thing and again that's where uh, even Andy Bashago, who I interviewed on my show, the, the time travel guy from Project Pegasus, he says that the chronovisor that the Vatican supposedly found. Now, do we believe in this time travel device that can actually see the past and the future? Not sure we do, but his story involves sound. The monks were playing around. Father uh, Ernetti was playing around with sound frequencies, and they had a crystal, and all of a sudden they played something and then saw on this crystal this uh, projection of the past, uh, all because they were tuning into the right Gregorian chant or something. They like saw a Gregorian monks coming live, being broadcast on the screen. So the idea that sound is even connected to time travel is a very weird idea to me, but I guess it makes sense. It's connected to everything, man. That's why they built cathedrals. Yes. Yes, you're right. I mean, that's that's the whole purpose of building a big acoustic church. Yeah. Is to use sound to to hypnotize people. Same thing with the monks, the Gregorian monks, Tibetan monks, the ones with the singing bowls. They're all using sound. Yeah, dude, I, uh, it's, it's so cool, this stuff. I, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely part of what I'm trying to do with Soulscapes, (laughs) Soulscapes, Soulscapes is, uh, play around with the way that sound and, and your unique imprint, uh, can work together. I mean, my, my original mission was, to figure out if you could paint your subconscious mind, if your subconscious was a painting, what would it look like? And I started doing these sessions with people. Um, Now, I'm still developing this, and there's some other influences coming into this as a healing modality. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing that specifically, but um, I have a friend that's a really good graphic artist, and we've talked about this idea of joining up and you know i would lead people through the session take them inside their inner mind have them depict what their subconscious looks like and then have that recording almost make an audio hypnosis track so that they can go into that space whenever they want and then my friend would actually use his uh paints or graphic design technique and then create something for this person so they could have i mean i i think it's a great idea imagine having something on your wall that is just a painting of what your inner world looks like. I would do it. That. <laughs> I, bet, I, bet, yeah. I bet you my painting would be freaking awesome. 
<laughs> I bet it would. <laughs> Yo, dude, you've got some interesting stuff going on uh, in your head. Although I don't know if there's colors to even describe what goes on in my consciousness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, Gary, your brain is, uh, there is something going on in there. I wish we could sort it out. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 dude. Uh, but yes, it is. Even when you're designing a hypnosis track, you want to. It's so easy to just play meditative music, but I really admire great sound design and I admire what people like Damien do and Denver Clay and, and some of the great, uh, people who are in hypnosis designing binaural beats. It is such an art, and I'm a fan of the art because they get it just right. It's sound frequency. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to get it off. Even if you get it slightly off, it, it jars the experience. So, um, yeah, I, I, I have such, I, I admire the work because it makes the trance experience so much more powerful, dude. Ah, wow. So what's been going on with you with these? So what have you been doing with the trance, like on yourself? Like, have you had any good experiences with it? Yeah, you know, okay. So here's what I love. Actually, I'll uh here's an interesting thing. Let me let me grab this for a second. Um years ago. Now, I I get crap for this, but I don't know why. Um at least for my my family and they don't understand the the science behind it, whatever. I bought this thing called the Mind Machine. The oh, Casino Light and Sound Machine. Now, this is my favorite thing to go into trance with. I love this device because what this is, it's, I, I think it's a company in Florida actually that makes them. Uh, basically, they, the machine itself is kind of like an old iPod, except it's got pre-built tracks in it for all different things. I mean, we're talking rejuvenation. We're talking, uh, shamanic trances. We're talking meditation, quick afternoon naps, this kind of thing. Different experiences of consciousness that you could have if you wish. It's got a headphone jack in there. Use whatever headphones you want, though I think they provide headphones too when you first get it. And then the other thing it has is these glasses, these, uh, Ganza frames, I believe is what they're called. Um, and there are two versions. Now, I have the one that requires your eyes to be closed when you're wearing them. There, there is a version now that's out where you can keep your eyes open or close them. Doesn't matter which. Um, if you want to experience the lights or whatever. And that, and that's exactly what this is. So they're LED lights on the back of these frames that have been pre-programmed to sync up, uh, supposedly with the eye movements that correspond with the state of consciousness they want you to be in. And it's all different colors, different LED lights. Now, of course, you know, my, my family and, uh, has joked, they've said, Greg, okay, so you bought something that could be made for $15, a bunch of LED lights that you could have put on glasses and an iPod. Like, come on, dude, you don't even need to spend this much as you did. Cause it was, it was not. It was at 500 bucks, but it wasn't a hundred bucks either. Um, kind of right in the, right in the middle there for these things. But you know what? I have to tell you, um, my gosh, dude, you put these glasses on and, and you put on one of the tracks. The experience is so much deeper. Uh, because I don't know what it is. I think it's the eyes. It's the eyes. Supposedly, this is syncing up your eye movements. In a way that allows you to experience the meditative state of a Tibetan monk in 15 minutes. 
just because it's it's putting you in that state. It's bringing you deeper that much quicker because of the lights and the sound. Right. Um, it's awesome, dude. I I love it. I mean, I call it. It is a mind machine. My family made fun of me when I was spending time with them because after work I'd be like, "Give me fifteen minutes. I have to go into the mind machine first uh, before <laughs> dinner, just because it it cleared this." I love the idea of just saying I have to go to the mind machine. Um, <laughs> I think that's just an awesome thing to have on you. But yeah, dude, this this deepens the trance experience now will i say i've experienced hallucinations yet in trance i don't think so have i experienced amnesia perhaps um i I, all the other phenomenon that the great hypnosis phenomenon catalepsy i think i've experienced that where you can't move a limb for a period of time um yeah it's it's always hard to know because these tracks are a lot less about the showy kind of stuff and more about how your insides are feeling, what meditative states are you going to, how deep are you going, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, dude, I'm telling you, if anybody here is listening and you really want a shortcut to hypnosis that isn't working with someone in person, mm-hmm. um, get a casino. That's what they're called. They're on Amazon. If you were <laughs> Jeff, let's make our buddy Jeff happy. Um, now that we know Jeff Bezos is a nice guy, <laughs> uh, you can go to Amazon and get the casino or you could just type in mind place. I think it's a website where you can get it. It is dude. I'm telling you, I love the investment. I made it years ago. It's uh, it'll get you there. It'll get you there much quicker than just practicing yourself. Mm hmm. Yeah, do you still do regular meditation? Yeah, you know, I haven't lately. I kind of have fallen off the wagon because I have been so ridiculously busy. Um, you're actually the second person <laughs> asking me that today. I was talking to uh, Justin Otto this morning. <laughs> he asked me the same yeah. thing. And um, but yeah, I got to get back on, man, because I've been just also like the dogs. Like I have this new puppy. Oh, and uh, just can't leave him alone. <laughs> Oh, no, that's adorable. That's adorable. Yeah, that is, you know what, that is the through line. And you know what, I'll admit, I'm as guilty as the others. But, well, no, and the others being the people that are skeptical of these things. Um, Every single guest that I've had that I've said, how do I experience this? How do I start seeing angels? How do I tap into these frequencies? They all say meditate, meditate, meditate. That seems to be the grounding. It doesn't matter how arcane, doesn't matter how occult, if it's Aleister mm-hmm. Crowley level magic, if it's Eastern Chi, if it's contacting aliens, it is always comes down to the act of closing your eyes and being present with the breath and how long can you stay in that. That is the route to magic. And as much as it hurts my egoic mind... To believe that something as simple as that can be as magical, um, the fact that everybody keeps saying it means it has to be true to some level. Oh yeah, like for me, it changed my life. You know, it was huge. Did you? Um, yeah. What? How did it? Uh, what would you say? When, when did you really notice that it changed for you? Oh, immediately. It was immediate. I had. Um, I had. I mean, I was into the occult for a long time, but I always skip over that first part that said meditate. Yes. I just wanted the results. You know? I'm like, oh, screw the meditation. I, I, I want, I just want the demon to appear. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's all I want. <laughs> so I'd always skip past that part. And then uh, I read a book by the Dalai Lama called How to See Yourself as You Really Are. 
Mm. And it really connected with me. So I found a Buddhist nun down that was down the street doing meditation classes. And I hooked up with her and started meditating. And I just took right to it. Like, like I'll say within a couple of months, I was in upstate New York doing like three, four-day retreats. Oh, my gosh. This is how Gary got involved with Nixium. This is the story. He was he, he was part of the Nixium cult, I think, is what we just learned. No, that's awesome, dude. Everything mystical and weird happens in upstate New York, I have to tell you. Yeah, well, we, um, I went to, there's a couple, there's a lot of monasteries up there. There's a Zen Mountain yeah. Monastery. There's um, Shambhala's up there. It um, is pretty weird that there's so much there's up there. There's a couple also, of others. New York, the tri-state area in general, has its great share of fringe. Um, I think New Jersey is more interesting than New York in a lot of ways when it comes to weirdness. Um, I don't know. I will say, in my one neighborhood, I had um, Sri Lankan monks, I had Zun monks, I had Tibetan monks, and I had an ashram all in the same neighborhood. That is pretty weird. That is really weird. Um, yeah. So you're doing this meditation, and I mean, did you did you start? Did you have a moment where it went beyond meditation, where you actually did see the demon or a spirit or something like that? No. What I had was a moment where I was okay. Yeah. It was just like. This is cool. This is nice. Everything's okay in a second. Yeah. I don't need abs- I don't need anything. Like a moment without desire. Wow. I've never understood how you can be Well, I guess it's yeah, it's moving through life. I was just I, I just interviewed a, a a fitness coach who was talking about mindful eating and mindful living and exercise again. And her whole point was that it's not just about being mindful when you eat. It's what if you could move through life from that place of presence? What if you could be dropped in always so that every choice you make comes from what you described, which is that being okay place? Uh, I always just, I think, and this is my egoic mind, my fear has always been, what if I just feel so good in it? That I just want to stay and do nothing. Well, that's um, what that's I, what will happen. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, that's right. exactly what happened. And like, um, I also had like an out of body experience during an epileptic seizure. And I'll tell oh. you, like, like that was so good that I didn't want to come back. Holy moly! But then you, but look, I mean, but look at where you are now. You, you have this life. You're, you know, you're married. You have a podcast. You so clearly you did step out of it. Uh, you know, what do you think it is? What, what is a good way to keep it going, but also do something with your life? For, for me, it's, um, talking to people, you know, like, like my podcast, like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to tell people what to think. Yeah. But I want to put enough information out there to make them ask questions. Yeah. Because, because the questions are far more important than any answer that anybody could provide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're so, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, that thing we were talking about that, you know, dead people 
I mean, rich people being dead on the inside, um, which is fine. You know, I, I don't think they are. I, I don't think they are. Um, but in general, people being dead on the inside. I mean, curiosity, being curious, putting these ideas out there, challenging the norm, um, challenging yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I, again, I, you, you said to me, Greg, I, good on you for having that guest on that said there's no such thing in hypnosis on a podcast that I love hypnosis about. <laughs> um, you know, when I put up that episode I, and I felt the same way, I was like, yeah, it's true. I love having the controversial people on and the people that will say the complete opposite because, um, you know, I there's nothing glorious in holding on to something um, just because it's an egoic pride thing, just because you think it's one thing and it's great and this is the way life should be. Um, you know, if, if, if you're not getting that belief challenged, how much do you really... How great is it really? How can't, you know, I mean, it's, uh, if you're not open to developing your own ideas about things with radically different beliefs, I mean, what kind of life are you going to live? Some people live in just one perspective. They live in. Yes. And even in the spiritual community, too. Very much so. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm not saying that these UFO believers, these people that are star seeds, are right. I want to challenge them, too. I don't believe that a lot of them are actually communicating with entities off planet. I think they're just trying to be trendy Um, or they think they are. But I mean, who's to say it's not just, I don't know, a voice that you're giving maybe a relative from the other side that's communicating with you. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be an alien? Why does it have to be? I mean, so it's. Yeah, I I think challenging people in all different ways of their belief systems is, uh, dude, I mean, you are are on the forefront uh, of the evolution of humanity by asking these questions. We have to be. Yeah, yeah. We both do it, too. And it's important not to get stuck, man, because I learn something new every day, you know, especially doing this podcast. And every day it makes me question, or at least curious, about what people say. Yeah. I know. I At one point I was going, man, if I could hypnotize people, I think my mission is to make people more curious like you. I feel that too. Or at least make people question their reality. My mission is to expand consciousness, make people doubt and perhaps view something more. But I'm going, my gosh, is that... How much do people pay for that service? No one's paying to become more curious about things. Nobody, which is a sad, I mean, maybe it's a sad statement about, I think people pay for things they are curious about. Mm -hmm. I think people pay to go see an exhibit about Van Gogh, uh, go to, go travel to locations that people say are great. But the act of actually saying, hey, are you living? Maybe that's the thing. Like curiosity is not. Well, it might not be the word that people pay for. They say they want a more adventurous life. They want a life that is more fulfilling, more meaningful. But we know at the root of that, it has to be asking questions, asking bigger questions of yourself. I think the best way to do it is through example. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if, you're, if people see you going to lengths that most ordinary people would not go to to satisfy a curiosity 
Yeah. Then that will inspire them to be curious. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. And, of course, you know, I guess curiosity is something that is dangerous. It's dangerous a lot of the times, too. Uh, think about, you know, people. I mean, I think of Ronan Farrow and the Harvey Weinstein documentary I just watched on HBO Max and him talking about the lengths that some other journalists went through to they get a lead on Harvey Weinstein and they start making progress, finding out the details. But all of a sudden, you know, one of his lawyers comes down on them and then the media says, well, you can't talk about this story. And, you know, it's a, a lot of the times curiosity is dangerous. I've had it in jobs, too. I've brought things to people's attention and all of a sudden they go, <laughs> oh, don't talk about that. Don't die. I mean, it's it's fascinating. Curiosity is a as a uh, as an act of warfare in some ways. It's a it's dangerous. It is a dangerous thing. Uh, I was paraphrasing one of my imagination as an act of warfare is uh, <laughs> something that this girl that I interviewed, Ariana Di Lorenzo, who's a who's a singer in the city. She she wrote a song. I guess the only war against reality imagination is the. Uh, an act of war in the battle against reality. I think she had a quote in her, one of her songs like that. I'm like, that resonates with me. Yes. What Gary's doing on his show, what I'm trying to do, speak to people's imaginations about things that might not be real, but going, Hey, look, you're interested in this, aren't you? And wouldn't this be great if this was the reality? What if we did have this flying equipment? What if the government knew about all this stuff these flying saucers say it's not aliens maybe it was years ago but we had this flying capability um what more could we do on this world what energy could we save what better experiences could we have as a planet if there are aliens out there what more could we know about the galaxy and the world i mean i think that is that's what's interesting and of course you know i'm sure you hear this all the time that there's this psyop going on mm -hmm. that they're that they're saying the aliens are a, a threat and and the I, I look to me it's uh it, it threatens it's a the biggest threat is people wanting to know more about the aliens not the aliens <laughs> themselves that's the crazy thing uh, the, the biggest threat is um People thinking for themselves. Yes. That is the biggest threat. Yeah, you know, man. You know, as far as like, things being real and not real, I look at it this way. If I can think of it myself, it's real. Because mm. I'm not that smart to think of something that's probably not real. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, and again, to take it back to soulscapes and hypnosis, that is the power of this stuff. You can think it real. Um, you know, I keep I keep hearing uh, there there was a guy I was listening to talk to today. This guy, Doctor John Demartini, who I guess he was featured in the Secret documentary all those years ago. Uh, I, I I very much love his stuff. He talks about values and living to your highest values and. And um, one of the things he was saying is, you know, when you see somebody else, comparison, the comparison mindset, when you see someone else doing something well and you're going, wow, this person's really talented, uh, this comedian's great, this podcaster's so riveting, this whoever, entertainment is good, that's because you recognize something in yourself 
that is great as well or could be as great. There's a there's something in you that has the sensibility to go, oh, I could also be good at that. I feel it. I feel it. Um, and I think a hypnotist is someone that could go, yeah, you know that thing that you felt inside of you that you, you wanted to do your whole life that's already in your head? Let's go in and close your eyes, make you see yourself as already there, pull that out of your unconscious mind, have you live it in all dimensions, even imagine yourself in the future having already succeeded because the subconscious doesn't know time, and then bring you back to the present and now you have more of those skills than you did. I mean, the early people that were experimenting with, with neurolinguistic programming, they were doing stuff like this, Gary, with, with top people. I mean, Milton Erickson mm. is the guy. He's the guy from Arizona, the, the wizard of trance, as they call him. I mean, the original co-founders of NLP, Richard Bandler, John Grinder, they were doing something called deep trance identification. And that was literally hypnotizing themselves to step inside of Milton hypnotically. They were imagining he had, they had all the experiences of Milton, what their life would be like if they'd grown up with polio on the farm, all the experiences from the things they've read. They embodied his physicality, the way he spoke. Um, they did a deep trance identification with this guy, which is really, I find it interesting because it's really acting. It's the ultimate acting, but it's because it's using hypnosis. It's it's just a deeper level of understanding. Um, and then they modeled him, and they would do days of modeling each other and, and being in these deep trance states. And then they'd step out, and all of a sudden they'd be better hypnotists because they were pulling from this world. Uh, the mind machine was part of a course on unconscious neuromodeling um, from from this guy, Kendrick Cleveland, who used to really do a lot of this stuff. He's doing some other cool things now, but uh, he was teaching people the process of how you can use deep trance states to model someone, step inside of them, and then start building the neural pathways that those people did so that you could acquire the skills in a much more efficient way. Dude, I have done this to people. I did it with someone once. One in a college dorm. Um, this girl who was, I, I was just testing out hypnosis at the time. Uh, and it was after I got my first certification, uh, this weekend <laughs> hypnosis trip, but it was still comprehensive. I mean, it was nothing you needed to know. No fluff in this course. Um, six day course. This girl wanted to be better at a three mile. She wanted to run an eight mile. Um, so, and, and she knew she could get to three on a good day, but she wanted the confidence. So I went over to the dorm. Uh, you know, the, the other roommate was there. So it was, you know, it was a very safe, protective environment. Uh, and I hypnotized her and I had her experience the ability to run this eight mile. And, of course, you know, the next day she did it. Now, that's not the part that interested me, though. The part that interested me was that she was so open to exploring hypnosis as well that she said, Greg, do whatever you want. I love being in this trance state. I love it. So what we did was we did – I did some of the fun artistic experimental stuff I love doing with people in trance. Uh, one of those things was I had her imagine the movie of her life. Imagine this. I said, Shannon, I want you to just imagine right now that all of a sudden you see the entire biopic, your film, the story of your life, and I'm going to count from three down to when I get to one. You're going to the movie play before your eyes. 
in 30 seconds. The entire plot, the entire film with the ups and downs, the dramatic peaks, you're going to see it. Three, two, one. Boom. She watched it. And I said, what happened in the movie? And she gave me details about the scenes. She gave me information about what actors were playing her. She gave me everything. And that's the power of this stuff. I mean, that was mind-blowing. The other thing, though, was I did her deep trance identification with her. I had her step inside one of our acting teachers that we both had in college. Um, And Gary, I mean, this was the best performance I've ever seen. She actually contorted her head. It almost like what you see when uh, they talk uh, exorcists talk about the way their faces look mm-hmm. different and they're contoured and all that stuff. It wasn't that, but it was it was she became someone else. She moved her body in the same way. She changed her vocal tonality, her facial expressions. I mean, this did not look like she was acting at all. It was unconsciously stepping inside the world of this person, and she talked just like her. And really, in that moment, existed as this person. And, you know, I, I, we, we, we talked and she gave responses that sounded just like her. I mean, it was, it was wild. And I'm going, why was this a thing that people did in the seventies experimentally? We could all be doing this. We should all be doing deep trance identifications on people that we want to get skills from and see the world from, because who knows what our potential is. That is what intrigues me about hypnosis. That's what I'm trying to bring to the world anyways. So how about this? What if you're not putting people into a trance? What if you're actually we're already in a trance and you're taking them out of it? Oh, you're so right. Yeah, what makes you uh well, I I think you're hmm. That's interesting. Well, I think that also speaks to this idea of, you know, this girl was in this trance where she couldn't run 8 miles. She believed she couldn't, the limiting belief, and then I'm waking her up to the possibility that she could, just a different state that she's in. Now she's got more freedom. Do you mean in a sense that, I mean, Gary, this gets into the really deep philosophical stuff. What if we already are our fullest human potential, but everything is just ego, and what a hypno- hypnotist can do is gradually remove trance after trance or wake you up from trance after trance to the point where you get to your fullest magical self. Right. That's what I think happened to me with the whole angel dust thing. I think I screwed up my brain a little bit. <laughs> so, enough, <laughs> yeah. enough so that I couldn't be in that trance anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, to me it's... I don't know. I think it's a little sexier to just imagine you're going from one trance into another just because I'm so... I just love trance and I love hypnosis and I love the idea that, you know, I can move someone with words into one reality into another. Like the idea of me waking somebody completely out of it and not being able to take them back in makes me sad because then I'm going like, no, wait, come back. I've got more stories to tell you, young man. Um, <laughs> like I, but, but no, I know what you mean. I, I do think they're, especially the toxic trances that we have. Um, and then the whole idea that what I was saying with deep trance identification is, well, what if someone's experience is always available to you. This goes to Carl Jung and the collective unconscious. Um, you know, it's out there. It's available to you. And the idea is that I'm moving you into their reality for a little second, for a second. And it's not necessarily like a, 
I'm having you play act. It's it's I'm having you channel them through you. And them is already something outside of ourselves anyways that we can all collectively channel if we're really attuned to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely the case with archetypes, too. I You know, I know these healers out there. Um, I had this healer on my show, this guy, Rion Kati, who is who deals with uh, physical attunement. He, he's an inner beauty consultant for, for women, mainly. He works, on, he works on bringing on their inner goddess through these really advanced Reiki and energy sessions. And he's always talking about this idea of the archetypes are out there. The goddess, the fiery warrior, the, the different types of almost Jungian archetypes for what a man or a woman could be. And what he does is he does these activations these sessions where he goes i'm going to activate the archetype and i'm always sitting there going is this just a role that he's putting on people is he just giving characteristics that we all coincidentally collectively know are characteristic of this type of person and installing that hypnotically or does the archetype exist out there in a way that's magical or at least non-material for everybody's consciousness to go into and somehow he really is attuning to that and bringing that out in people in Mm -hmm. a way i remember asking that on the show and i i still you know skeptical mind of mine questions and goes you know it's all just acting but like deep acting but then at the other time i'm going but maybe not maybe there is a mythology holds on for for there's a reason that people tell the same kinds of stories over and over um and and it means that there's something more the archetypes aren't just something that our brains constructed they stand the test of time therefore why wouldn't there be something that we could all grab onto and i mean we know what it means to be a soldier we know what the is it cultural influence or is there a part of us inside I mean, I don't know, Gary, do you feel like you're capable of uh, <laughs> being the king, the warrior, the magician, or the lover in any second because it's like something spiritual and it's out there? Or do you just know what those behaviors are? Or does it even make a difference? I am all those things. And all <laughs> those things you can find right here in one of these. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, the tarot deck? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. Er- er- everything that these guys trying to hypnotize people into being all they have to do is meditate on the right card and wake up that yeah. archetype and you know I, I don't think I, I I mean I believe in a collective unconscious I believe in what Young was saying absolutely um, as far as it you know being something to take people out of the trance that we're in though I don't know I, I, I think the archetypes can become just another tunnel yeah you know yeah because because i think like like i just said like i'm all those things you know yeah so you want to be all things at one time so the question is what happens when somebody does fully wake up out of the trance i mean who do they become do they become powerful do they just become i'm sure it's different for everybody but uh, you know, I, I suppose someone might say to me, Greg, 
you need to wake up out of the trance that you can't see angels because they're there already. You're just in a trance that they don't exist. So what I'm imagining, Gary, is if you wake someone up out of a trance where they're not seeing things and, and you know, carving away Michelangelo's David, if you will, just cutting it out so you get the beauty, what's going to happen is I'm going to start seeing demons, angels, feel into my chakras, be able to become one with source. I mean, that's that would be uh, that would be a crazy trip of a life. Or is it really just simpler and you just, you know, if you choose to go this way psychically, well, now you have access if you choose to go this way, but you're still a rock and clear because that seems to be where you come from in a lot of ways. This Eastern, very much like I'm everything and I'm nothing all at once. Um, But yet you still, if you want to, you know, engage with angels and have an out-of-body experience once in a while, you 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 can tap into it. Yeah, I just mean, don't, get, do th- don't get attached to it. Because, yeah, because that's right. not the only thing. Because there's everything. There's things that we can't even comprehend, probably that we can do or think of. Yeah. So so yeah. Why, why why limit? Why put limits on anything? Yeah. Do you think we're all? Uh, is this going? <laughs> Is this the five D, Gary? Are we all going into the five D? Uh, that's kind of what I don't, I don't know. know. You know, I, I, I've done tons of those type of interviews. Yeah, and um, and I mean, so, some of it makes sense. I mean, if Gaia, the planet, is frequency is raising, obviously that's going to agitate people of a lower frequency. So right. that would explain some of what we're experiencing. So it does have some logic to it. Now, what I get kind of confused with is just the wording, the phrasing of 5D, 4D, 3D. Yes. Now, is that an accurate description? I'm not sure because I think it goes further. Oh, I, I, I think saying 5D or 4D or whatever puts a limit. It puts a wall. Of, of, yeah. of, uh, like, like we're going from here to here, and this is where it stops. And I just don't that, – that, that, that's the part that I don't agree with. I, I think, um, you know, 1 million D is the limit <laughs> or <Yeah>. infinite D. <laughs> Going for the infinite D here. <laughs> yes, infinite. Going for the infinite D. Yes, yes. There is some dirty-minded person out there. Is, um, yes. <laughs> uh, and that dirty-minded person's me, folks. No, I mean, uh, yeah. That is. I. I'm totally with you. I mean, I. I. I get that. It's a hot button thing. It really is to to talk about this three to five D. And I imagine it's been a hot-button thing for a long time because this is not new. This age of Aquarius stuff, I, you know what, I can see a influencer, a spiritual influencer on YouTube with videos that have the same subject lines as me going into the occult section of the Strand bookstore and reading the titles of the books. Mm-hmm. It's the same stuff. It's the same. So that's why I'm always, when I talk to people that 
talk about the 5D or the Awakening, I always go, what do you mean by this specifically, given that they told us there was an Awakening back in the 60s, 60s, they told us it was happening again, then in 2012 they told us there was the Awakening, and then they now it, it was supposed to happen again in 2020, and then Trump was going to be voted back in, and all this stuff. I mean, what do you mean by 5D? And no one is really... Some people give me good explanations in terms of just our... Our consciousness is raising, and and the next generation of kids, suppose, I don't think it's every kid. Again, people use sweeping generalizations. The idea that every kid born right now is an indigo child, is a smart, empathetic, they understand consciousness there. I think there's a lot more of that, potentially. I haven't run into these kids. I think that th- these people haven't been to Alabama then. <laughs> yeah like there are still kids that are not psychics out there there are not into like kids are kids we're not all the smart we're not all away i mean i think we try to be better than a generation before always i think we're trying to clear the trauma of the prior generations and and uh the consciousness the limited consciousness i think i think this whole you know, inclusivity and all the stuff, uh, social justice wise and knocking out the wine scenes of the world. I think that is a contribution towards like a higher level of awareness of not putting up with stuff that we used to not talk about. Now we're in a culture of talking about everything and some might argue talking too much about certain things, mm-hmm. i.e. the extreme of cancel culture. Um, but I don't know if that means that we're all ascending at the same time. I don't know if that's like some global shift as much as it's just we're growing older. You know, I mean, does does growing up always mean rise in spiritual frequency? I don't know. I'd like to think it does. I like to think the fact that we're out there, we have the ability to have a forum to talk about these issues is a sign that collectively the universe is saying, hey, 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 no, 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 question your reality more, question it, and it's, there are more people doing this publicly, therefore, we are now moving to a place where we can question the norms even deeper. To me, I suppose that is a spiritual awakening, um, but I I like to think if we're going from 3D to 5D, there, then that always sort of implies that there's some kind of cosmic hand in motion that is saying, hey, open up the dimensions a little more. Let's open it up. And I'm just not, whenever anybody starts talking about it, it gets so woo-woo that I don't, I, I, I've I never been able to put it together. I It just seems like it's all metaphor. And um, honestly, Gary, the most hypnotic people, the, the best hypnotists, are these healers that we've brought on our shows. <laughs> the ones that are talking about quantum mechanics and stuff like that. It's like you can't follow them, but you kind of can feel like what they're saying is true, but it's not fully true because it's so vague, but you feel yourself changing anyways. I mean, it's not all great hypnosis, but some are really good hypnotists. Yeah. Even if they mean nothing, it feels like they mean something, and you still feel a shift in consciousness. That, to me, is the coolest kind of trance, even though I think most of what they're talking about is garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like again, I, I, I try not to get too wrapped up in the lingo of this 5D thing or extension. I mean, do I think that we're going through a change? Absolutely. I would say every 50 years, 
yeah. society goes through some type of major change or, you know, I mean, it happens just like a pandemic happens about every hundred years. A world right. war happens about every 50 years. Some of these changes are very predictable and have gone on as far as mankind has been documenting them. Yeah. Yeah, do you think, I mean, I don't even, I question this idea of, I mean, this is just me being very cynical, but I think there are a lot of people that questioned the reality from the pandemic because of the job thing. I think a lot of people did. They had a lot more time to be introspective. They had a lot more time to start passion projects that they wouldn't have done if they were working their nine to five and going, well, I can't go out anymore. Therefore, how do I spend my time? The cynical part of me goes, I think it was just the delay for people i don't know how many i would like to believe that we all had a spiritual ascension because we were forced to be with ourselves and that was new um but for the most part i don't know how many people are really feel they're in a higher place i think as soon as these places open back up and and uh you know you can start touring again and start building opportunities for mm -hmm. instagram selfies we're gonna go back to the same miserable species of human that just wants cheap validation and and things for the egoic mind satisfaction that's what i'm taking away from this pandemic how much of the ego has truly dissolved after this because i don't know about you but I still see Instagram <laughs> models out there. I still see people doing the same stuff they were doing before. Right. So what well, my take on that is whenever these things happen, I would say a small percentage of people will snap out of whatever trance they're in and stay out of it and the rest fall back into it. I think it happened in the 60s. I think it happens almost every 10 years. You know, yeah. Um, the, the, there's a, a, a cultural shift then it reverts back. But out of that cultural shift, a certain percentage stays in that new state of consciousness. So each time it happens, you have more and more and more people that are snapping out of it. But but the idea that they expect everybody to come out and stay out of that state of mind at one time is not a reasonable expectation. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I'm uh, younger than you are. Not, you know, not like, uh, you know, your your grandfather. <laughs> got I, probably, I probably could be your grandfather. <laughs> you don't know. But now, I mean, you know, it's when, when you're faced with something that is such a, I mean, this is my first, you know, global pandemic, I guess. I'm sure it's a lot of people's, but, um, you know, something that is as widespread of a unknown a life shift that is truly profound in its implications and the way that it is for me to go through that in this way felt as if maybe the awakening would happen maybe this would snap everybody out of it maybe this was the moment where people rose up and threw away the machines and and threw down the iPhones and realized that we needed to spend more time loving each other because life was so precious i i guess i you know me being the optimist mm -hmm. and the fantasist was hoping that collectively we'd come through to that but of course who benefited amazon netflix all the hbo max disney plus it was, it was. Gary <laughs> Yes. People consuming your content. <laughs> People consuming, like, we, we benefited from this thing. The content creators did. And the thing is, though, look, 
you're not going to find your content on Netflix. So here's to you for uh, maybe, maybe not yet. Not yet. But it's, uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's. I I a life of comfort is the always the thing to it's the hardest thing to fight. Comfort is such a I mean uh comfort sucks. <laughs> live a, you, a life of yeah. danger. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, most people don't. It's kind of crazy. It is terrible, I think. Like we all have to die sometime. Do I want to die an old decrepit person from cancer or do I want to die falling off the cliff of a Grand Canyon looking for a treasure? <laughs> now, for those that don't know, Gary told me before this interview that he's actually going to be doing a documentary with Jared Murphy where he's searching for treasure in the Grand Canyon. So for those listening that are close to Gary, me included, please make sure his well-being is taken care of. Make sure you are strapped in safely. Also, maybe don't let you go on this trip now that you've told me <laughs> that uh, you might be. Yeah. That might be your big out. Like I think we know where Gary's going. But no, but I'm not. I'm just. I'm just saying again. I'm just a body. Yes. You yes. Know? And that that's it. So so why not take some risks? Yeah, you know, if you have it, I don't think fully experience it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I don't want to waste it in safety. Yeah, that's so. Uh, the other side of it is is Ben, and this is what you know. I, hmm, I think it's the sad part of showbiz, and I think it's a thrilling part. Both are thrilling and sad at the same time. When I went to college, I I came from such a boring, at times, a really boring uh, suburban town. I mean, it was so sports heavy. It was so not about the arts. And when I said, look, I'm going to go to NYU, study at Tisch, pursue this, the instability was the thrill. That was part of it. I said, I like the idea of being overly stimulated mm-hmm. with different things going on. I like the idea of having my intellect provoked. I like the idea of being on stage, doing one thing, and then going and doing another thing. Uh, and, you know, what? what's interesting is that even though that was thrilling to me at the time, thinking back, what did I love in those high school musicals? The comfort of... Spending time with the same people that I joked around with backstage the year before in the musical and being friends with those people and all that stuff in New York in the professional scene being in showbiz is, you know, it's a th- maybe maybe an eighth of the time you would spend at least a at least a fifth of the time you would spend doing spending time to prepare a show when you're in elementary middle school or high school i mean you know those are long rehearsals in the city it's like four weeks do the show you might not even see each other after the show's over you might get out go out for drinks once you'll never see these people again and that is what you're signing up for I mean, you're signing to get the next gig constantly, and I didn't think, wow, you know what? Part of what I did love from doing those shows was the community. So this notion of, in one way, I was going, well, this is going to be a life of discomfort, but it's going to be a life where I can expand myself. 
was one great thing, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky balance because I really did. You get disoriented doing so many different things. So that balance is always been, uh, it's been a struggle of mine, Gary. How do you, how do you find the community? How do you find the safety while also challenging yourself to do something completely different? I've never, I haven't cracked the code yet. Uh, have you? Well, I don't know. I try to disorient myself as much as possible. You just try to actively disorient yourself. Yeah. But, you know, you still have, I mean, you're not giving up your lifestyle. You're not ruining your relationship. I mean, I don't know for a fact. <laughs> you could be. I mean, this could be your third <laughs> wife at this point. My second. Uh, since you've started this podcast, you could actually have multiple kids. I mean, yeah. I truly don't know how messed up you are in the head, Gary. I mean, it's pretty messed up. But, <laughs> I, uh, but no, I think there is a grounding amidst the disorientation i think there is i think there's a way to structurally have a place you always go back to while within that structure disrupting the form yeah. uh you know i uh, and uh problem with the career in acting is that the structure is changing constantly too right. my gosh I, I say like the one thing that i do like for a structure is having a home to go to yeah you know i mean I go out, go on an adventure, do what you want. And it's nice to kind of have a, a home to come back to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, but, but even that might not be good. Sometimes I think, <laughs> you know, like, like I think about like, like, like I went through like homeless periods when I was young, you know, living in cars and abandoned houses and stuff like that. And it was kind of fun. <laughs> and I wonder, like now, if as I as I get older, you know, and eventually I'll reach a point where I'm not able to work or sustain myself, will I go back to being that homeless guy just walking around the street? You know, <laughs> do you romanticize that? Do you kind of miss that? Well, I miss it from when I was young, but I wonder what it's gonna would it be like as an old person. Yeah, you know. And and I wonder, like sometimes, like maybe that's the way we are. Like, like maybe that's how we're supposed to live. Maybe we're we're supposed to be these rogue wanderers. <laughs> that is an interesting idea. That if you go back to the history, the people in time from the beginning, um, you know, you're you're born into a group of people who are who are around you, a community. If we're talking tribes, of people who will raise you and. But but there's nothing saying that that's what had to happen, you know. You're put on this earth. You you, I mean the 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 idea of the family structure, the the village that's raising you and taking care of you, that came after the fact of a random person being dropped into this wor world or evolving uh, from apes. You know, they were wanderers. They were going around. They were exploring. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about marriage being something that was created and, and uh, you know, a, a construct a an abstract construction that was made for uh, various different means related to property management and stuff like that. And that's why people question the institution and how long monogamy can, all that stuff okay i get that um the idea of family i mean who even i don't know i don't even know if family is really i think there is something about next of kin getting raised being mm -hmm. with people that raise you but 
that doesn't mean you're just supposed to hang around in the same area your whole life. Right. Um, Most are going to die. <laughs> yeah. Most of the people that are older, you, older than you will die. Right, right, right. Why not wander more? I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, Gary, I wonder if you could be the head of the wandering lifestyle. I mean, I guess that's like Jack Carroll's people that, you know, life on the road. But but I you always look at those people as the rebels and not the people that are really doing what humans are meant to do. Mm-hmm. At, uh, least, at least to a certain point, you know. I, I mean, I, I do things that were meant to go out and explore. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I definitely think so. And, um, that is why, you know, I, I, I philosophically completely understand drugs. I really do. I used to, I used to think it was, uh, you know, high school Greg, you're getting fed this narrative that drugs are bad. They'll make you do bad things. And, and I do think to a certain extent, I'm not recommending angel dust to people listening. I don't think you should try heroin. I don't think, you know, I don't think that's what you need to be doing. But what, but what is interesting is that historically these drugs were everywhere, especially hemp and cannabis, um, and hashish and all these things, shrooms, uh, psilocybin. And by the way, for the listeners, I have not tried mushrooms. I have not done LSD. I've never done it. But but the idea that these things are there and people have had experiences on Earth um, that, that speak to that. When somebody just blanket says, oh, oh, I would never try that. Even if they would never try it, I question that philosophical rejection of it because I'm going, you were told not to do this from a source that is denying you that thing we were talking about before Gary, which is your curiosity. That is a narrative you've been fed, told not to do the drugs, told not to explore your consciousness in this way. What are, what were they so afraid of in this, when they stopped these drugs in the seventies uh-huh. and they, they were, they were the afraid of people coming out of the trance. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I honestly believe that we, that most people are in some type of trance it's being fed to people through television, radio, their iPhones, um, the things in the food and the water that help um, do that too. They keep uh, gen- people genetically, you know, down. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, look, I mean, anything to... That, that's what I love about hypnosis. It is the art of using trance to get people out of the one that other people are keeping them stuck in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, that's what I love about it. It's why I call myself a cultural hypnotist on my show because I think by bringing these topics forward or having in-depth discussions, it's not just changing one person. It's, it's changing the cultural views of everything you know to be true um, and maybe changing the culture as a whole. I think you're a cultural hypnotist. I think anybody that is actively going into people's unconscious and going, hey, the, the way you thought reality worked, uh, what if it didn't because of this slightly weird reason? And then all of a sudden they're going, well, that's a little weird. And then you go, yeah, but this is kind of weird too. And that gradual thing, like I was talking about earlier, building your podcast taking little small steps of opening your brain's perception up so that you can all of a sudden believe that psychics are real because this, 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 and this, my gosh, what a fantastic way to live life all of a sudden. 
now you're opening yourself up to possibilities the way mm-hmm. world works um dude i am i i i'm honored to continue to do it that's what i'm going to be working with people on <laughs> and i i am honored to uh really you know spend time with you on the show talking about it it's uh <laughs> i don't know if we just compliment ourselves too much of these shows maybe not maybe maybe <laughs> but no i uh i yeah no i i am uh i i'm an explorer of mind and life like you are good sir and, and you keep driving me to do it <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm honored to be able to do that <laughs> yeah man you know, I, I never thought um, I would be reaching people the way I do yeah yeah it's uh it's it's people people want to change up people want to change I mean that's I and this is what's interesting soulscapes is the beginning for me What's more interesting, though, is this idea I have about binging your life. I have this idea that, you know, the experience that you get binging a TV show, getting to the end of a series and then moving on to the next episode. What if you could live your life like that? That's what I'm interested in installing in people with trance, a world where each moment makes you want to go to the next one. Each moment is a cliffhanger for the next. That's what I mean. That's what an open loop is. It's mm-hmm. it's opening something up and moving and wanting to know the ending of something. What if you could live life in a positive relationship to to wonder and curiosity, opening loops up? If I can get people to that state where they're, I mean, the problem is the word binge is associated with <laughs> bad things. I mean, right. it's it's binge, but but I binge your life. Don't binge Netflix. Go to the next moment. What do you want to create next? What could happen next that's engaging you and interesting? I think people's brains, the fact that you can exist, this is what the coolest thing about hypnosis is to me, revivifying old states of mind. Um, yeah, one of the coolest things about hypnosis, there's zillions. Um, but <laughs> yes, the idea that you, the feeling that you have when you watch that show and get to the end of it and you see that plot twist and you go oh my gosh i need to get to the next one that feeling is something that you've experienced and you've experienced multiple times and a hypnotist could take that feeling isolate it and apply it to going to work the next day and doing what you have to do job to job and and giving you the same experience that you're feeling with that um, or just having you tune more into what that feeling is so that you can build a life that's more naturally aligned with other places where you get that feeling of wanting to do more. I mean, Gary, I, I think you do that with this show. I bet every single time you get an interview with someone that you find interesting and you hit the record mic that is the experience of, oh, my gosh, I'm excited to see what happens next. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've binge created this podcast. I mean, God, <laughs> yeah. I've made almost 300 episodes in a little bit over a year. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is the creator's life. And that, to me, is what uh, I'm interested in working with people. I, uh, you know, after doing this podcast and talking about hypnosis long enough and speaking to enough people, I'm going – this stuff is powerful, and I know that by I could co-create with people to build the life that they want where they're binging on a project that they all enjoy, and I can binge on the process of facilitating that. I think that's a very interesting idea because, um, yeah, if you can if you can lock on to that thing that gets you up in the morning, that's that's the question. My my high school drama teacher 
who I interviewed on the show, she said, you have to find that one thing that gets you up every morning. And that's such a, for so many people, that's hard to find. But you felt those things before. You, If you're listening, you know that you felt something that just pulled you to it. And if, uh, you know, look, I mean, <laughs> if you want to experience more of it, you can reach out to me directly. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start doing, I'm going to start doing a little more public facing uh, hypnosis sessions for people. But also, you know, like listen to shows like this. Uh, listen to Open Loops, listen to Coast to Coast AM, all these different shows that are making you question your reality. Um, you know, I, that is going to be a step towards provoking that curiosity that you can have with life and not just the content that the big <laughs> producers in the big media companies want you to consume. They don't want you to be a creator. That's part of this too. They don't want that because if you create too, then that means you're not their product the, their, anymore. their time is up you think so yeah yeah that's one of my other goals really is to create like i was mentioning earlier before the show i wanted to start like a tv network yeah you know or and make documentaries and things like that because um i, I think their time is up man uh, my goal is to create a media company now do you, now, what media. do you think is up? Do you think, uh, I mean, do you mean fiction in general, screenwriters, or I, just... I, I think the big money part of it, the part that's controlled by the media, the yeah. part with the agenda, that part is over. Yeah. N now it's time for the real content to come out. Yes. Made yes. by the real creators. Not yes. the same regurgitated crap. Yes, dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love it, man. And, and I think it can be, it doesn't have to conform. You know, I've had people recently that I've reached out to and asked to be on my show that have refused because it's not brand aligned with them or it's too weird for them. I, they don't tell me why, but they go, no, I don't think this would resonate with my audience and all this stuff. And I'm going, yeah, but I've also had people that definitely should not have been on this show either. Uh, that, you know, cybersecurity expert is after an episode talking about Reiki healers. I mean, that is totally wrong. It's totally bonkers, but I mean, I think you've done it too. You, we, we, I think, the the idea of the spectrum of people that can be on a media channel is opening up. And you know what? To me, I'm going, you are missing an opportunity here. Maybe, maybe you don't want to be on a platform that's associated with someone that questions the origins of COVID. Yes, I get that. I understand it makes you look bad. But at the same time, I think we're going to get to a point where you can be on that platform because mm -hmm. life is messier. And guess what? Not everybody agrees on things. And it's not going to be about agendas anymore. It's going to be about really tuning into uh, authenticity. And, 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 and there's people out there that are not what they say they are. And, you know, like you mentioned somebody guest that turns you down. I'll tell you one that turned me down. Deepak yeah. Chopra. His reason <laughs> really? was I didn't want to pay him. Uh, he, yeah, he, go, yeah, he goes, well, well, what are you going to give me if I do your show? And I said, I'm going to give you, t send you tons of kindness and love. Yeah. And he's like, no, I need more. I want money. Oh my gosh. Here's the guy who's supposed to be one of the most spiritual dudes on the planet. Yes. And he won't do my podcast because I'm not giving him cash. 
Oh my gosh, he is such a muddy grubber, that guy. I mean, he is, he is. T-Pac is so faux spirituality, I must tell you. I think, at the very least. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he, he's made a contribution, I guess, by making people more aware of these issues. But, I mean, that guy is just, uh, I think he's a secret Jesus freak. That's one of my theories on him. Same with that Cartole. Maybe not as much as Deepak, though. I think Deepak might secretly be Christian. I don't know. I'd like to just think that because it mm-hmm. makes him seem more interesting um, on one level. Uh, and then the other level, I just think he's just such a product pusher. I mean, it's he is such a product pusher. There's nothing about him that radiates, to me at least, being grounded in spirituality and this guru. I the, the Actually, yeah, no, the, the guru thing is there. The fact that he does identify a guru tells me you are egoic good sir um he is right in the ego ego um why do you have to buy so many different books why there why is there always a different book coming out um now what i do appreciate is that he defends spirituality when sam harris and other people come against him and you know he 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 goes for the debate and sometimes makes good points most of the time kind of talks gobbledygook but whatever um but that said the only reason he's defending it is so that people will keep buying his products. Uh, I don't see that guy doing charitable work for the good people. I think he has a really nice house. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this is like such an influence. I mean, he, yeah, Deepak is, um, again, I've enjoyed his reads, but that guy is just a, uh, he's a tool, Gary. Deepak (laughs) Chopra is a tool. (laughs) What is one of the guests that, that turned you down? Oh, I, re- I revealed one of mine. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, oh, I can't say names here. What the heck? Wait a minute. Come on, man. I pulled out the Deepak card. Deepak, yeah, but that's so big <laughs> that it doesn't even matter, dude. I don't want to, like, crap on people that are kind of middle tier um you know or not like but they're, but they're just not famous enough you know i mean um i'm trying to think of someone that turned me down for reasons that are i don't align with you uh, there were there was someone i thought would be perfect um i won't say her name but she goes she has this whole brand mythology angle um her whole thing is about branding and tying it to mythology and i'm going have you seen the guests that i've had on the show we were constantly talking about you know mythological things we're talking about collective unconscious we're talking about all these things why in the world it's weird it's it's like she's on a place where the way people will find her is still in a corporate sphere so it can't be too woo woo Mm -hmm. but it's still but she still wants to at least have that spiritual edge so that people go ah okay this is something more than just another branding expert but of course the fact that i have people on my show that believe in parallel lives and aliens and all that stuff it's just too much that would push the that would push the corporate people away gary i think we are both in a place where you're gonna start seeing it i think i think the aliens are coming to corporate America. I think people are going to start talking about close encounters of the fifth kind in offices doing corporate retreats where they're communicating with UFOs as a way of connecting to a lot. I think that is a couple years from now, it's going to be mainstream because 
10 years ago, talking about wellness was a breakthrough. That was mindfulness. You know, 10 years ago when they started having meditation, people come in mm-hmm. for corporate team builders. That was radical for a lot of people in the spiritual community. That was weird. It was, oh, Buddhist, Eastern philosophy, meditation. You don't do that in a corporate space. You just work, work, work. Now the corporate space is much more. I mean, people will talk about law of attraction. People will talk about ayahuasca retreats and getting spiritual and, and you know, CEOs going off and doing things that are more spiritual and being more aligned. Um, but I think it's, I hope it gets even weirder. I think, I don't see how it couldn't. I mean, do you? I, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I hope it does. Yeah, you know what? As I said it, I'm going, uh, the cynical part of me thinks someone, someone's going <laughs> to shut it down because they know how powerful the human it really is. Yeah. And someone with a lot of money is not going to want other people to know. Yeah. Once people start figuring out that they can start manifesting and creating their own realities and that it's just all consciousness and sort of made up anyway. Yeah. That That's the end of the deal for the power structure. Because at that point, you realize you don't really need your job. You don't really need the government. You don't really need anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm saying this as someone who has worked corporate jobs before. Um, you know, I, I think there is, I don't know if it's everybody that's in a corporate job all of a sudden thinks could wake up and go, wait a minute. I'm working for somebody else that's making more money than me. I'm, I'm doing a lot of work, but I'm not doing, but I'm not getting compensated in a way that makes me, able to retire so so therefore i'm going waking up every day i'm doing this but i'm not i'm not getting wealthy necessarily but i'm not poor either uh also why am i putting all my time into this what if i could create something myself and then charge people for it and and have my life where i'm not living under corporate shelter like the idea to me that everybody should be thinking that seems to me a bit overblown because to me i I just think that there are people that companies are great. I think companies are becoming more conscious. I think, you know, once you get a Google involved and, uh, and, you know, the, these other corporations that I've had the privilege of doing party entertainment. When I was doing murder mystery, I'd go to all these corporate offices in New York City, New Jersey, Long Island, all this stuff. I would see that people were very happy. And their job, it seemed the culture was great. People had great mm. friends. The people were close. So there's a part of me going, I don't think secretly necessarily everybody has an inner desire here to break free and have their own life and create something and make money on their own terms. But at the same time, I wonder how if people were given the option, if they say, well, you could work at this corporate space or I'm going to put you in a situation where you can comfortably create whatever you want and not have to work for this and build a life of your dreams. If someone were to, if people, all those people in those corporate jobs were to consider that, how many do you think would? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's as simple as everybody is trapped in corporate culture. I think there are some benefits to it. And I think some people will live fulfilled lives being part of a system, not necessarily rising to the top, but feeling like they've been part of a community. I think people uh, what do, will do it. What do you think about that? I, I think a lot of people will continue to stay what they're doing because it's all they know. Um, yeah. Just like when I bring up the idea of abolishing money in land ownership, mm. people are like, that's insane. 
was not insane, honestly, because it was people for millions of years, <laughs> or not millions, but yeah. but at least a hundred thousand years that didn't have money or land ownership. Right. It's just that is all you know. Yeah, I think you know. I and for those listening, I don't think the lesson here is if you're in corporate get out of corporate if you're not in corporate stay out of it i think it is question it so that you can at least make sure that you're getting the most out of life Mm -hmm. you possibly could if there is a period of time where you can start something new just to see if it fits with more where you're at why not at least try this other side hustle um if you've been struggling doing a side hustle for years or being an actor or whatnot um that's kind of my journey a little bit i i was going gig to gig and i said you know what why am i doing this what would happen if i brought my presentational skills to a corporate setting um and i did it and you know what i benefited from it and there were good rewards there um you know so it's yeah, I think if people can make the, they always say it's not the quality, the quality of the life is the quality of the questions you're asking. Um, just make sure that those questions are about, uh, you know, I, I would say as deep as those questions can go, as much as they call your entire existence into question, Go for it. Go for those burning, deep, existential, day-to-day questions. Mm -hmm. Should I be doing this? Why am I here? Why am I with this person? Am I happy? The more people can do that, I mean, I think that's the trance, Gary. That's the trance people are in. They're going, well, this marriage is... You know, they're not asking big enough questions. People ask small questions. Well, you know, if he stopped doing this behavior, maybe the marriage would be better. Versus going... Am I married to the right person? Um, now, that doesn't mean you should always question everything strong, but I'm saying if you could have the full range of questions going on and, you know, whoever it is, a podcast, a skilled hypnotist, whomever is the person that's making you go, yeah, have you ever thought about questioning things in this way? That's going to just open you up to a life of possibilities. Um, the infinite D as you said, <laughs> uh, because, hey, why not? There's so many. We, we are living life too small, even in the ways that we think we're yeah. not. Yeah. In, like, I'd say, like, like, you know, I, you and I both have regular jobs, but I use my job as sort of a, a means to an end. And it's also yeah. like, all right, I'm at my job eight hours a day. What am I going to do with that other eight hours? Yes. Yeah. You know, am I going to sit there and watch TV? Or am I going to create and build something? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's true. It's true. And I do question that, that too. I go, well, what would happen? Someone, someone was telling me, uh, who gave me this advice? They said, Greg, I love diving, but diving's the thing I enjoy doing beyond my day job. It's I would not want to just because I love it doesn't mean I want a career in it. Um, now, that said, Gary, I don't know. I mean, if someone said to us, hey, we'll pay you, you know, 100K a year to do your podcasts um, and just do that with your time. I probably would do it at this point. I would, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's no question that, you know, the the means to an end, the end, if you can accelerate that end, uh, any investors listening out there, wink, wink, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do it. We'll pump out content for you. But um, 
I think more the the point more so is uh you know don't deny the things that you really enjoy doing in life even if you are in another gig like if you can even do a little bit of writing a book give yourself an hour every day you're doing your job to at least tap yourself into your creativity i think that is one of the most precious things that i've taken away from podcasting it's that even speaking to the world and then recording it and putting it out there is a creative act and as small as that act might be it makes you feel more of a full human being on this planet that's the thing <laughs> corporate people can be more ca- you can as long as you're creating yeah. i mean creation is the uh it's the life force therefore uh you know let's 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 go out there because look dude i mean <laughs> You know, this is, uh, you, the guests you have, the guests I have, oftentimes these are people that don't even think they're creating anything. They think this is how reality works. So if you're a creative person, um, well, that must mean that, you know, there are infinite, they, if, if this is how, if a conspiracy theorist is that creative in the way they think reality works, Imagine you could be creating something that is based on nothing that's ever existed. And how many mutations of that are there out there? I think the wells of creativity, Gary, mm-hmm. on this earth that are untapped are so deep and so exciting. And uh, again, take it back to Soulscapes. That's what I love about hypnosis and that process. It's when you see a stage hypnotist on stage and they make someone... Uh, you know, they say a word and that person feels like they have to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden they run from the stage and, and run up and go back. And then the hypnotist goes, oh, why, why'd you get up well, when I said that word? And they go, oh, yeah, I was uh, something I, I was just feeling itchy, uh, very, very itchy. The seat was itchy. When they come up with an excuse quickly or they come up with some clever reframe for their behavior because they deny something. That is the power of the unconscious. It knows the answers. It's already creative. And uh, the ability to tap into that, ooh, you could do so many cool things if you really be- believed in your individual power to be interesting and right. create. Right. There's people that are not even creative who've <laughs> been pretty yes. successful. I mean, look at so many other podcasters out there. I mean, better <laughs> successful, like Joe Rogan. You know, is is he really creative? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could kick his ass. <laughs> when it comes to creativity, when it comes to everything, I could probably kick his ass in the octagon too. Oh my gosh! Wait, so for the record, right now on this episode, if Gary <laughs> was in the ring with Joe Rogan, you think you could take that man down? Absolutely. <laughs> This is where I don't know if Gary's messing with me or not. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is a beefy. That is a that is a big man. He's a big man. Um, I, could, I could take him down. I'm pretty big too. I'm 250 pounds of raw power. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, hey, we've been going for a long time. I <laughs> know. This Maybe. is one of the, I don't know, I was going to, is this a Jared Murphy interview? What the heck? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, look, I mean, 
So uh, how do we sum all this up? I feel like we went all around today. I don't think we need to sum it up, man. I guess you're right. It could be a cliffhanger. Yeah. And of course, the one thing I really wanted to tell everyone was find out next week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that stuff. Yeah, no, this has been a whirlwind experience. I feel like I tapped at you. You helped me tap into a deeper part of myself by realizing the trances I'm in. Uh, you know, you, yeah, I, I heard some unique perspectives on the way you view reality and, and your experiences with becoming one with everything and just realizing you're okay. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy this exploration of our psyches, Gary. It's, uh, it's always good to check in with you. I know, man. I miss talking to you. I know, dude. I'm going to be back a lot more. I'm back, you know, I'm back in New York City, back in Brooklyn, probably going to start trying to, you know, change up the podcast a little bit, be a little more edgy, be uh, put myself out there doing hypnosis more. I mean, it's uh, it's time. It, this is my time. I, I I've been at, I've been out of it for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, well, I, I like your uh, Facebook lives. Oh, thank you, man. Those are I cool. know. I just love. Sometimes I just love speaking about things. I mean, it's uh. Because you hear so much, you hear so much from different people, and I get, I don't know, I get jaded by it all sometimes, just seeing, you know, are you a spiritual entrepreneur that wants to make seven figures this year? Sign up for my one-day master class, and I'm going to teach you everything you need to. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, what is this garbage? I mean, it's, but this is the space. These are the kind of ads I see. Well, you must see some weird Facebook ads, given the space you're in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bunch of crap. (laughs) You know, all all, all these people really need to do is listen to my podcast. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, if you want to expand, and, and, and you'll get everything that these people are offering for like uh, seven hundred and fifty dollars for a day. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. What is there's dream porting? This guy Daniel Raphael dream porting this this beautiful looking man with a goatee, and and he has this outdoor retreat, and and it's I I just think it's guided visualization Mm -hmm. it's guided visualization repackaged as something else i mean this is uh this is this is the thing to do we take the old things we make them the new things and and you know what i mean meditation is the dream the original dream porting is what i learned from this podcast i mean uh (laughs) you know you want to travel somewhere go back into yourself and you'll Mm -hmm. have capabilities to travel places uh you never even thought you might be able to travel so i mean that's uh yeah Again, I, I, I'm here for the cause, man. Let's shake things up. Let's disrupt people's consciousness. I, I'll do it as I'll, I'll keep in it as long as you keep doing it, dude. Let's. Well, you uh, know I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I said it. Yeah, I, let's disrupt people's minds, dude. It's. Uh, I I am in this until the end. <laughs> until that treasure chest on the bottom of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> or, or, Gary... or, or until I vanish because the government has <laughs> captured me and put me in Guantanamo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're going to have to put a public statement in one of these episodes. Right now, Gary is under, what does they say? Never once has he been suicidal. Never once has. <laughs> yes, you are, you are completely of, well, I don't know if you're of, Sane mental health, good I'm sir. Completely but sane. 
That's right. You know, He's of good health. I am the sanest person I know. <laughs> uh, this guy, dude, you must have been crazy with angel dust. I would have. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do angel dust, but I might pay to hang out with you while you're. Well, you go back to those days to see what happens to you next. <laughs> no, I don't do it anymore. How much could we pay you to do it? I couldn't. I don't want to go back. I like. If, I like. If, I like the space. I'm afraid of a, a reversal. You know, it's like would you take money? Like, just like no, no, I wouldn't take money. I don't need money. Ten, ten thousand dollars to do angel dust. Mm-mm. That's nothing, <gasps> dude. One hundred thousand dollars. No. One hundred thousand. No. You would not do. Would you do no. it for a million? A billion, maybe. A billion dollars, Gary. Will do. You are hearing it here, folks. Jeff Bezos, if you are listening, <laughs> Gary will do angel dust for you right now, <laughs> and probably even donate some of that money to pay Deepak Chopra for that interview. <laughs> no, uh, Deepak's not getting any of it. <laughs> you're keeping the full billion, so you guy. can do angel dust. That is, I'm ready for that interview. I mean, because, I, because we then, can start because then I could use that billion dollars to start my own media company. <laughs> the Everything Yo. Imaginable Network. The Everything Imaginable Network. The EI Network. Yeah, EI Network. Yes, it sounds a little too like Rush Limbaugh. The EIB Network. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. You're ready? He's oh my anyway, gosh. Man. He's gone, man. He's gone. I remember when my oh, friend. Oh, that oxycodone. <laughs> I yes, <laughs> that was his dust. <laughs> oh God, that guy was really into the painkillers, dude. That guy was so I I I used to love in high school for some reason listening to conservative talk radio. It was again, that's the problem with Fox. You know, they they're more entertaining than MSNBC. Right. Um. You know, I mean, as they're they've got less facts, probably though. I can't really say that about any of the news outlets. I think I don't trust really any of them well, these days. Well, I know, I know Tucker's BS. Yeah. In fact, he even lies about the college he went to. Oh, man. Yeah, what's his story? You know, he actually went to Columbia. Really? Yeah. Where and he, he, says he, he, he says he went to Trinity. And he probably went to Trinity, too, but he doesn't have Columbia on his... Uh, he kind of erased that from his resume. <laughs> That's interesting. But I know he went because he was roommates with one of my friends. Huh. Was he always this much of a... He was always a dick. Yeah. A dick of a human. I mean, his dad was in the media, too. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. The conservative talk radio, it has a... Oh, gosh. Those guys, if you want to hear a hypnotist, I mean, listen to old Rush Limbaugh talk about things the way... That it's oh well this person is da, 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 da. <laughs> it's just it's it's like sweet music to your ears and you're like oh yeah I guess that does okay I can see how George W Bush is really sticking out for the okay because that's when I was listening to it like peak of the war in Iraq my friend was like just Greg you read all the liberal books listen to the other side um and you know I mean. I don't know if it changed my mind ever, but but the fact that this man was speaking with such conviction about the lies he was spouting <laughs> made me at least buy into it for a little bit or at least want to check out what he was saying. Um, that's the problem with the charismatic types, man. They're dangerous. Trump, great example. Scott Adams of Dilbert wrote that article when Trump was 
uh, running in 2016 predicting that he would win because he is a natural hypnotist. Oh, he's... <laughs> the hands. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, and also he just speaks in he speaks in nominalizations, which are just vague enough nouns that uh, greatness and and all these things that people can project whatever they think they want onto mm-hmm. them, so that you know all of a sudden you're creating the greatness that Trump is espousing when he doesn't even know policy. I mean, that's so. Yes, there are hypnotists out there running amok. You may not think you're influenced by them, um, but you are constantly so uh yeah even if you think you're not in a trance dear listener uh, i make you question that yeah that's why everybody needs to listen to open loops yes to wake up out of the trance (laughs) yes open loops with greg bornstein conversations that bend available on all podcast platforms uh and it pairs very well with everything imaginable um it's like it's like wine and crackers cheese and crackers and a nice burgundy yes yes it's uh yeah if you want your mind bent i mean gary's one of the mind benders he's a looper um you know i yeah man i i (laughs) i feel like my mind has bent this entire night with all these topics we've gone over (laughs) (laughs) that's just the tip of the iceberg man (laughs) Yes, yes. And we were talking about before this went in, we were talking about Antarctica, what's going on down there, and uh, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> well, I'll let you know when I get that submarine. Yes. You can come yes. with me. Gary's telling me Would that you he's go getting, with me? I'm so down to go into that hole where all the... So is the idea that there are still UFOs down there, or, or still uh, flying saucers down there in the base? I don't know. I'm going to find out. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, I only know what's on those top two levels, but that, that was down that hole. I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. I really would like to think that they're still here. The, the flying saucers. I mean, look, I don't want the Nazis to still be here, but the but the Nazis that know things about the UFOs. Oh, I the mean, Nazis I, are on Venus. Whoa, what? Yeah. Have you ever yeah. Listen, have you listened to my episode with Olaf? Nah, wait, you know, they're Olaf on Venus. Films. Yeah, he says that the Nazis went down to Antarctica, then to that. I mean, to to Argentina. Then they went over to Antarctica, and from there they got on a flying saucer and flew to Venus. Oh, man. So they're on Venus, man. <laughs> uh, uh, now, look, Gary, mm-hmm. do you believe this? Oh, absolutely. You really believe that the Nazis are on Venus? It makes sense. I mean, you could. It's habitable, right? It's Earth's sister. Yeah. But what is going on up there? I mean, do they have any supplies? Does oh, Venus yeah. maybe? They, they were being, they were colonizing as an escape route, so they could uh, put together the Fifth Reich. The fourth oh, Reich. one of those. Reichs. My gosh, I don't even. <laughs> this is what I love. Your show, being on your show, makes me want to learn more. That's uh, that's that's my favorite thing about it. you. Put me in the learning trance state. That's it. That binge state. I want to binge more, binge more learnings about these topics. That's uh, that's what I live for. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, man. Hey, look, you know what? I, uh, I've enjoyed myself. This has been a good time. It's been a good ride. Me too. It's time for me to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, we're going super late. Wait, what I mean, is it? 1030 where you're at? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 930 here. Yeah. Yeah, dude, look, let's, uh, yeah, look, I, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to come on your show again. We'll have to do another chicken hole episode if we can get Angie Breyer. I don't think we're going to get her to come back. Um, we're going to have to find a replacement. <laughs> we got to get Pepper, Pepper Goins Pepper back to catch up with that guy. I missed that guy. I almost, we were supposed to hang out one day, but we missed each other uh, because he lives near me. I know that guy is hilarious. I love yeah. him. Um, yeah, dude. Let let's uh let's keep this going. Let's keep it going. It's it's been a pleasure being on. Awesome. Thanks for being on. And again, before we leave, where can my listeners find you? They can go to open loops.com. Uh or just look for Open Loops with Greg Bornstein, Conversations That Ben Don, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you can listen. Uh Ghana, if you're in India listening right now, which I know Gary has his loyal Ghana mm-hmm. fans, uh, yeah, you can hear it on there too. Um, so open loops with Greg Bornstein, conversations that bend. Do you know on the number 17th show in the philosophy in Tokyo? <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> I would love to meet some of those listeners that listen to what they think of this content. <laughs> I would love a thorough <laughs> Q&A session. Apparently, they're listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Americans. That is, yes, they really must wonder what is happening in this country. <laughs> uh, I love it. I represent the United States of America. <laughs> ah. Yes, everybody in Tokyo, this is, we, uh, you might not know this, but Gary is our leader. Um, That's right. Uh, I got my eye on that Oval Office. <laughs> this is, you thought Trump was something. You just wait. This is the direction we're going. This, oh, I love it. Free I love angel it. dust for everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. It'll come with your tax refund. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is so good. Now this is this has been a pleasure, Gary. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I'll post a link to your podcast in the notes of this episode so my listeners can listen to Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Conversations that bend. Yes. Go even deeper. Even deeper. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guarantee. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. 
change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined.